Love to see churches that are planting churches, not only close by, but around the country and around the world. So way to go, Marbley. May that continue in the days ahead. And also want to just thank you for the opportunity to be back with you today. It was a joy to be with you last Sunday and then on Monday to be with the staff and a very meaningful worship time that we shared together. And I told Paul on Sunday night, I was really impressed that at your church conference, you began with worship. Now, I don't know that I've ever experienced that before. But it set a wonderful tone for y'all coming together to deal with the matters of the church. Now, last Sunday, I shared with you something I need to share again. You can't change the past. But you can decide in the present that you're going to seek the will of God to find hope for the future. That's for you individually. That's for Marberly, corporately. What will you do? Now, in that light, I want to talk to you today about a theme that is very close to my heart personally. And we're going to deal with this topic, the shadow you cast. And I want to ask you to turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Acts chapter 5. If you're new to Bible study, I'll help you out. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then Acts, the fifth book of the New Covenant. And some of you may not know it, but the Gospel of Luke, written by Dr. Luke, writes a sequel in the book of Acts. The Gospel of Luke is about the body of Christ, number one, Jesus. The book of Acts is about the body of Christ, number two, the church. And we read about the early days of the church in Acts. We're going to be looking at two verses in Acts chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. So let's all stand in honor of God to hear with anticipation from his word the message he's prepared for us today. Acts 5, verse 14. And all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women were constantly added to their number to such an extent that they even carried the sick out into the streets, laid them on cots and pallets, so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on any one of them. Lord, as we stand before you, it is always an awesome understanding to realize that we get to worship you, the God of the universe, the creator of the universe, the creator of all of us, and that you're a personal God, and that through your word you prepare for us messages, insight, revelation of yourself and ourselves. And so, Father, today may you speak, and may all that is said and done here give glory and honor to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. About 10 years ago, after the New Orleans Saints had won the Super Bowl, Sports Illustrated gave Drew Brees that probably greatest honor that any athlete can have to be named Sportsman of the Year by SI. And I remember the article they wrote about Drew Brees and filed it because I was so impressed at the incredible impact that he had had on the city of New Orleans, knowing the struggles they had come through out of Katrina, 
but also just the man himself and the influence he was on a city for good. And all of us know that athletes have a platform. And that platform can be used for good or for bad. And Drew Brees is an example of someone who has used it for good in seeking to make a difference in other people's lives. But here's a basic truth. Now listen, are you listening? Everyone here has influence on someone. A parent with a child, a grandparent with a grandchild, a brother with a younger brother or a sister with a younger sister, a supervisor at work, a teacher, a coach, a minister, a political leader, a friend, an acquaintance, a public figure. All of us have influence over someone. So the question for today is this, what kind of shadow do you cast? Now understand this about the Apostle Peter. He cast a long shadow for Christ to this very day. And when Peter preached at Pentecost and 3,000 souls were saved and 3,000 souls were not only saved, but they were baptized that very day. All of a sudden, the most influential man in all of Jerusalem was the apostle Peter. Imagine it. It was not just 3,000 souls saved and 3,000 baptized. These were Jewish people that were accepting the gospel of Christ, many of whom who have been shouting earlier, crucify him, crucify him, when it came to Jesus standing before Pilate. It was an extraordinary event. But it wasn't always that way with Peter because Peter was a man that in Jesus' early days of ministry would speak before he thought and act before he thought. You've probably known some of those folks. Jesus saw a lot of potential in Peter, but man, did he speak up before he thought and did he act before he thought? You've probably known some people that were like that. Whatever thought passes through their brain comes out of their mouth. I've been around folks like that, and sometimes when I'm with them, I will open my mouth to contribute something to the conversation, but I don't do it in time because they just keep on going, unloading everything that comes through their brain out of their mouth. And Peter seemed to have been one of those guys. But from Pentecost on, Peter was a transformed man. He was a mighty man of God. And it wasn't just at Pentecost, but you read in Acts chapter 3, as he's entering into the temple area, to the synagogue, we see a paralyzed man there. And Peter looks at him, and by the power of Jesus, making it clear it was the power of Jesus and not Peter, that man was healed. Well, people are really talking now. And then in Acts chapter 3 and part of chapter 4, Peter preaches his second sermon. This second sermon in many ways was just as powerful as the first sermon at Pentecost. And once again, thousands were saved and baptized, so much so that the Jewish religious authorities were getting greatly concerned because Peter was saying things that greatly troubled them, making it very clear that they had crucified the Son of God and the Son of God had risen from the dead to prove that he is the Son of God. 
And they told him to shut up and quit doing that. He refused to do so. He was a mighty man of God. And then in Acts chapter 5, oh, a scene I love. There were these two characters, Ananias and Sapphira. Every church has these two. And they wanted to give the impression they were giving more to God than they really were. And they were trying to deceive the Holy Spirit and deceive the whole church. And what did Peter do? He called them out and they were struck dead in the worship service. Oh, man, a lot of times when I pastored Johnson Ferry, I wanted to call those hypocrites out and see them struck dead in the worship service. It would have livened things up. It really would have gotten people's attention. I never had that supernatural ability, but I thought it really would have been something else. But you can imagine the talk around Peter. And so here we come to this, this passage today. In verse 14, it says, All the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women were constantly added to their number. In other words, wherever Peter went, he was constantly pointing people to Jesus, whether it was individually to a paralyzed man, whether it was standing up and preaching before thousands, and the church was going, growing by leaps and bounds. And so what happens always is going to happen around a mighty man of God that is filled with the Spirit of the Lord that is pointing people to Christ. Listen to verse 15. To such an extent that they even carried the sick out into the streets, they laid them on cots and pallets so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on any of them. Can you imagine that? There was such awe and aura around Peter at this point in history that they would bring the sick, the paralyzed, out in the streets, hoping that this would be a street where Peter would pass by, thinking that if just maybe his shadow fell over them, they would be healed. What kind of shadow do you cast? Is it for good or for bad? Is it to build up or tear down? Is it to encourage or discourage? Is it to point people to Christ or to yourself? What kind of shadow do you cast? You know, here's what's amazing about our shadow. Now, listen, are you listening? Our shadow goes with us wherever we go. And not only that, our shadow always falls over someone else, never on ourselves. And our shadow also has a way of falling on others where we are unaware that it falls. Years ago, when our youngest son was just three years old, my wife Ann and I were watching a Falcons game, often an exercise in futility. I have had to chuckle, though, at Cowboys fans, where a lot of you are probably. In the last 15 years, y'all have got a little taste of what it's like to be an Atlanta Falcon fan. It's not an easy deal. But, boy, this day they were playing good, and I was hollering at the TV and pulling for them. And didn't know my little three-year-old son had eased out of the room and then... A few moments later, he came running back in. He had found a large Atlanta Falcons helmet. You could have spun it around his head. And he came with that helmet on and just stood in front of me and smiled. And I turned to Ann. I said, you know, we just, we just don't know how we're influencing others. And we're completely unaware when it occurs. 
One year in our vacation Bible school, we had an eight-year-old boy. He was just a fun kid to watch. He was kind of chunky and you're just one of those kids, you know, you just chuckle when you see him. He just, just has something about his personality. And his teacher came to me and said, Pastor, I just got to tell you this. He said, you know, so and so, oh, yeah, cute kid. He said, well, he was sitting in his chair, leaned back in his chair against the wall. And I asked him, I said, what you doing? He said, I'm playing the pastor. <laughs> she said, what are you doing as the pastor? He said, I ain't doing nothing. I'm just telling everybody else what to do. And I thought, oh, goodness, <laughs> that ain't too good. Often we're very unaware of where our shadow falls, and yet it's always falling on somebody, never on us. What kind of shadow do you cast? Now, some of you are sitting there maybe a little bit depressed because you messed up. You failed in some significant ways. You know, your influence hadn't always been good. And some of you are sitting there saying, this is, this is not good. I, I, I didn't want to hear. I don't even want to deal with something like this today. Well, take heart. What could be worse than what Peter did to Jesus? What could be worse? He boasted on the night of the Last Supper that he would be loyal to Christ. He would even give his life for Christ. And before the evening was over, he had denied Christ three times. And in one of the Gospels, it says that he was off in a distance, watching from a distance in the courtyard of the high priest when all this was going on, this mockery of a trial with the religious leaders with Jesus before he was taken to Pilate. And after Peter denied Jesus the third time, the gospel tells us that Jesus looked at him. In the moment of greatest loneliness and need in Jesus' life, he looked at Peter, and when he looked at Peter, Peter just wept. The big fisherman just began to weep because he knew what a coward he had been. And he knew how he had failed in his loyalty to Jesus. But there's a beautiful scene after Jesus' resurrection. You can read about it in the end of the Gospel of John. Peter, once again, that, that natural-born leader, he said he was going to go fishing. They didn't have anything else to do. They didn't know when Jesus was going to appear again to them. Went out fishing all night, caught nothing. And then as morning was coming, about dawn, about 100 yards on the shore, they saw this man having a little fish fry, and he hauled out to them, just cast your nets on the other side. They did. Incredible haul. They recognized it was Jesus. And Peter impulsively jumped into the Sea of Galilee to get to Jesus. They had that fish fry there on the beach. And then you see the original come to Jesus talk. Because Jesus looks at Peter and said, Peter, man, we need to take a walk. They took that walk one-on-one, -on -one and he asked Peter three times, do you love me? And the third time when he asked Peter that, Peter just, his heart broke because he knew that Jesus knew that he had denied him three times. Even when he boasted, he never would. 
But each time, now listen to this, are you listening? Each time when he asked Peter if he loved him, Peter responded, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said, I want you to feed my sheep. I want you to tend my lambs. I want you to care for the flock. What Jesus was doing was saying to Peter, I know what you've done, but I forgive you. And not only do I forgive you, I believe in you. I chose you to be the leader of my church. And even though you blew it big time, I want you to know, I forgive you. I believe in you. What an incredible moment. You see, that's what the gospel is all about. All of us mess up. All of us blow it. But the reason Jesus, the Son of God, left the splendor and glory of heaven to humble himself to become one of his creation was to die on a cross to pay the penalty for our sins, a penalty we deserve, the judgment of God, death. Jesus gave his life on the cross so that you and I could be forgiven of our sins and made right with God, not because we deserve it, but because of what Jesus has done for us. And not only that, Jesus then rose from the dead to conquer sin and death, to save us from sin and death and hell, to give us an eternal relationship with God. What could be greater than that? And Peter came to understand that. So that when he stood to preach, he would always preach that Christ had died for our sins and Christ rose from the dead, for that is the good news of the gospel. And you see, the key on our part is will we receive that forgiveness? Will we receive that restoration from God? Because a lot of you sitting there today feel like there's no way God could forgive you. Do not believe the devil's lie. Christ has paid for every sin on the cross, but we have to decide if we're going to receive that forgiveness and that gift from Jesus. That's where faith comes in. Peter did. And his life was never the same. Ed Young tells of a small village where everybody's livelihood was based on sheep, mostly shepherds. And whether it was the wool from the sheep or the food from the sheep, it was really the one industry, if you will, of that village. And two of the teenage boys one time thought they'd steal a couple of sheep from one of the shepherds and sell it in another village and make money to do what they wanted to do with it. They did that and they got caught. And the town elders were so upset about what they had done, knowing everybody's livelihood was dependent on sheep, that as they found them guilty, they ordered to set an example for the whole community, they ordered for the two young men to have a brand put on their forehead. ST for sheep thief. So wherever they walked, people would be reminded, this is what happens to you if you steal sheep. Well, the two young men responded completely differently. One became bitter about life, bitter about God, bitter towards the community. He became an alcoholic, had little purpose. And one night in a drunken rage when he was cursing God, he fell off a cliff to his death. 
But the other young man, realizing he had done wrong, sought to get his life right with the Lord, gave his life to the Lord. And over time, he became one of the most respected men in that village. And when he was elderly and walking slowly down the street one day, ambling along, there was a young father with a young son. And that young boy looked up at his dad and he says, Dad, why, why does that old man have ST on his forehead? And the father thought a moment and he said, son, uh, something happened years ago. I, I don't really remember what it was. I guess it just stands for saint. That's what Jesus does. No matter how bad we mess up, the forgiveness and the love of God and the restoration that is offered in Jesus can transform anyone into the saint that God desires for us to be. Not perfect, but a man who loves the Lord, a woman who loves the Lord, to have an impact for good for the kingdom of God. Epilogue, epilogue. When I was a young pastor at Johnson Ferry, you probably wonder, where did we get a name like that? Well, we're on Johnson Ferry Road there in North Atlanta. And I was asked by the First Baptist Church of Lynette, Alabama, to come and preach to their homecoming services. They were celebrating the 100th anniversary of the church. And the reason I'd never been there before, but the reason they asked me is my grandfather had spent a lot of years as a young man in that church, and he actually was ordained to be a preacher of the gospel in First Baptist Lynette, Alabama. Well, I was so honored that they had asked, and yet I didn't know, you know, a sentimental occasion like that. What in the world do you preach? Well, my dad had given me a couple of books of some of the sermons of my grandfather, and they didn't have the technology in those days, obviously, but he had a secretary who would sit on the front row every Sunday, and she knew shorthand. And with shorthand, she would write down the words of that sermon and then type the sermon up on Monday. So what a gift to have that little book and notebook. And I was just going through different sermons of my grandfather. And I came to a sermon from the text, Acts 5, 14 through 15, and the title of the sermon was, the shadow you cast. I knew I had my sermon. And so I basically preached my granddaddy's sermon to First Baptist Lynette, Alabama, where he was from, and told him near the end of the sermon it was his. Later on, in 2011, about nine years ago, the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Bainbridge, Georgia, asked me to come preach. And it was the last church that my grandfather pastored. Now, Bainbridge, Georgia, you probably never heard of it. It's uh, southwest Georgia. You can't get there from Atlanta. It, it takes forever to get there. About a four-and-a-half-hour drive, a lot of country roads. And it's right there at the border of Alabama and northern Florida. 
We were having to rush down there to be there for the Sunday night services after preaching three times on Sunday morning at Johnson Ferry, and we got caught in a hailstorm where we literally just sat there on the road for a period of time, couldn't even go. And I called the pastor. I said, we, we, we're going to be late. We're not going to make it. Y'all keep singing. Keep them singing. And I walked in as they were singing and had to almost rush up to the pulpit. I said, we drove through hail to get here for you. But you can imagine what I preached that night. The shadow you cast and told him it was my grandfather's sermon. And after the service, one of the elderly deacons came up. He had been a young man when my grandfather was there. And he said, I want to take you out to your grandfather's grave. I said, that'd be wonderful. I hadn't been there in 43 years. The last time I'd been to that church was for the funeral of my grandfather. And I'll never forget it. I was 16 years old and... I got so choked up hearing all the good he had done in his life and all the people he had influenced for Christ that I just couldn't stop crying. And that's really embarrassing as a 16-year-old boy. I was doubly embarrassed. This nice older lady just handed me some Kleenex. She could see I was crying. I was just really embarrassed that she saw that. But I just remember thinking, golly, wouldn't it be wonderful for my life to count for something good like that? I had no idea I was going to be a pastor. But we went out to his graveside, and there was his tombstone. Lewis Hanley Wright, a faithful minister of the gospel. And I thought, man, what a legacy that I had nothing to do with, nothing. What a gift from God. My granddaddy's shadow fell over my father. My father was one of the finest Christian businessmen I've ever known. Such a good man. And his shadow fell over my life and my siblings' lives. And now my shadow has fallen over my three sons and now seven grandchildren. And for about 40 years, over one church there in North Atlanta and maybe a few more folks. But here's my hope. In spite of all my flaws and shortcomings, and they are numerous, it is my hope that that shadow has been cast for good and not bad, to build up and not tear down, to encourage and not discourage, but most of all, that it's been for Jesus and not for self. What kind of shadow do you cast? No, no, that's not the question. The real question today is what kind of shadow will you cast? May it be for Jesus, not for self. And then it will be for good and not for bad. And then it will build others up and not tear them down. And then it will encourage and not discourage. What kind of shadow will you cast? May it be for Jesus, for the glory of God. Peter still today has his shadow 
cast over this flock as we see from the Word the impact he had for Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, I want to pray first of all, Father, for those who know they've messed up or know that they're far from you, know that they really wonder if they can be forgiven by you. Oh, Lord, may they look at the apostle Peter right now. May they find hope in the story of Peter's life. Though he messed up real bad, you forgave him. You let him know you still believed in him. You had plans for him. And, Lord, I pray that for the person who is far from you, that today they will respond to the good news of Jesus, knowing that you have paid the penalty for every sin and shortcoming in all of our lives, knowing that you rose from the dead to give us victory over sin and death and hell. Oh, Lord, may that person here today who's wondering if their life can have impact for you Help them to know it can, they can, by putting their trust in Christ, by receiving that grace of God through Jesus that we do not deserve, not one of us. May they claim that in faith today. And Father, for those here that are followers of Christ, all of us who have fallen short, we thank you for your incredible grace. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you that you still believe in us as your child of God. And so, Father, for all of us who are followers of Jesus, may this be the day, not in the flesh, not with determination, but by the power of your Holy Spirit, that we say, Lord, here I am. Please use me to cast a shadow for Jesus and for good for the rest of my life. Oh, Lord, may it be. But we pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.